Hi, this is Alexander Samarlov, Beach Volleyball player from Latvia, and you're listening to A-Space. Not this time! Four match points saved! The captain with another block! Sped inside out to Milovs! Screens another serve! Hello there and welcome back to the podcast where we interview the best players in World Volleyball. Yes, it's the A-Space and we are absolutely thrilled to bring you a new episode this week. Louis Lett here with you today and I will be the host on other occasions. It's Dave Rogers and we'll be joined by the legends Steve Matt or Dan. Once again, we have Dan Meanley with us. Danny boy, how are you? Louis, it's great to be back talking to you guys again. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have one of the biggest volleyballing yeah, knowledgeable brains that I know on this podcast. And should we, uh, should we get our guest back on? I, I think we should. I'm excited. Well, our newest co-host, as we said, I think we said an absolute weapon of the sport, didn't we? And we found out in the previous episode, not only is he a European champion, a world junior champion, multiple Olympian, et cetera, et cetera. Could have been a wrestler, which would have been interesting, or a kickboxer. <laughs> also could have been a medic or a, or a doctor he's, point guard for the lakers yeah point guard for the lakers yeah that, that could that could be that could be one um and it's other samoyles welcome back to the show mate last time was so rad that i'm so happy we get to do this again hello again it's it's amazing to have you how are you doing how's that for you today what's going on out there good no rain it's <laughs> pretty good weather and uh we had a practice today so it was um Really, really nice. No wind and um, just regular May. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to let you guys know that these episodes are being uh, released weekly alongside some of our other projects. Um, and we are being, uh, we're recording remotely due to the current situation. Latvia, London and Luxembourg, how multicultural we are. Uh, remember, these are also released out to alternately with our unscripted and debate series as well. So today is all about over a decade at the top because you had some career, Mr. Smoilos, haven't you? You've been around for a while now. Um, so we're going to do... Uh, I think 16 seasons. 16 seasons. Still enjoying it as much as you ever had? Yeah, for maximum. Still like, uh, I have like uh, now... I have like a hangover about beach volleyball. <laughs> like, I like it's it becomes an addiction. I think it's like, <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah, you just uh, enjoying every every tournament I play, every win uh, I I get, and uh, I, I will try to play as long as I can because uh, I really love beach volleyball. Yeah, I can tell when I watch you play, you just get super fired up. You said in the last one that you're quite an emotional player, but that's why. I, Along with the style of game that you guys have had to play through the years, like I've also enjoyed watching you play because the fire that you uh, that, that you bring out there, which is it's great. And just coming, there. just coming natural, yes, uh, yeah. yes. Uh, and I think my nickname, Lion King, the guitar, give me because I, the way I was playing, I was aggressive, I was uh, screaming when I was uh, scoring important point and. Um, that's a way, my way to expose emo- emotions. Yeah, I, I, and you're still, you're still that guy, which is, which is awesome because it's seven, 17 years of playing and you're still, you still got that emotion, which is, which is great. How long, um, can you remember your first event and can you remember how, like how it felt at that time and where it was, your first FIVB? 
my first FIB was 2000, uh, like World Tour, uh, was 2005 uh, in Stare Blanki in Poland. It was an amazing location next to the, in, the, in the forest next to the lake. And uh, so we came, we had zero points and uh, we had to play two rounds of country quarter. Then we had to play three rounds of qualification. And then we qualified for a main draw in my, uh, my first world tour. And uh, first round we had to play against uh, Reckerman Dickman. They were number one in the world ranking. And Reckerman became Olympic champion later. Yeah, and it was, and we had a chance to win a set. And I was like, still remember how it was. And uh, it was, we were leading 2019 and uh, we served. They make a set too wide and Dickman attack and the ball hit antenna and then my hands. So we celebrated, we went in a seat and then Reckerman and Dickman, back in the days, you were able to talk with the referee a lot. So we're like five minutes talking with the referee. We are sitting and understanding what's happening. We want to set what they're talking about. And so referee called me back and said, no, ball hit your hands and then antenna. So it's 2020. Oh, <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, so it was it was nice experience and it was, it was the beginning of uh, my career and then um, at the end of the year we won under 21 world championship and uh, when you win world championship uh, underage you get a wild card for uh, adult uh, world tour and so next year we started with, uh, with Montreal I think and we get a wild card yeah, and then we get our first win in the uh, in the main draw, and so then we started to play tournament by tournament. I I can't believe because I was going to ask like you know first world tour event you must be feeling like a bit vulnerable a bit nervous, but I'm not yeah I don't think that's the case with you because if you go and make a if you go and make a main draw and then almost beat the number one seeds you you're not really feeling nervous are you like you you're just taking it on. I think at that moment, because it happens so fast, I think the uh, other thing when you're playing like qualification, you lose, lose, and when finally you qualify for a main draw, then probably you will have a pressure. But when it's happening like in, in one, two days, you don't even like realize till the end what's happening. Maybe next day I was, we were sitting and said like, there are Latvian teams who are ready for 15 years going to the world tour and qualify maybe once in the 10 years. <laughs> in we in our first tournament we went and we qualified and it also was because of my father because all the teams in the latin beach volleyball before us before plavin samoylos they were training for them was there were indoor players who was just playing at the beach so for them training was okay we just go to the beach and play or play side out they never did drills they never do exercises and we're the we were the first team who was doing drills exercising six months a year just beach volleyball not just playing beach volleyball as for fun outside your uh, indoor career and when we started to play my father always said like we need to qualify for olympics and you can and like realize how crazy it was when uh, latvian teams like in 10 years qualified only once for a main draw and then uh, coach comes and says that we need to qualify for olympics even main draw was something unrealistic but olympics it was like a different planet and when uh, plavins came to his he was a libero in the indoor club so he came to 
his uh, to the game, and after the game in the changing room, he said, like uh, Samarlo's uh, coach said, that uh, we need to qualify for Beijing Olympics, and all the clubs started to laugh. He said, like <laughs> crazy, like like how can you qualify? And so, but he puts like since uh, we were 18, so every practice he was putting is that we need to qualify for Olympics. We need we need to work harder, and he was always telling that when he was in Spain. He played with Brazilian guy and they won Spanish championship. And this Brazilian guy came and said, "Okay, we won Spanish champ- uh, like tour, but if we would play in Brazil, we would be number 20, because there are people who are living at the beach and they called Rata de Playa, uh, beach rats. And so my father was saying to beat these guys, like Rata de Playa, who live at the beach. Uh, so we need to uh, work and train more than they." And we need to be stronger and more clever than they. So this is the only way how we can beat them. So this was like since my first day in Beach Volvo, so it was on repeat in my head. And that's why I think like we're just, just going step by step uh, to this dream. And what did you think at the beginning? Did you believe, you know, when your dad first said we're going to qualify for the Olympics, were you like, yeah, yeah, I think that's like I said, Like I said in previous episodes, he made me to believe. Yeah. <laughs> that's... that's- that's un- it is almost unbelievable though, right? From where Latvian, because I'm from England, I love beach volleyball, but to, to see where that hop's come from, from Latvia, like, would you say that, um, is your father sort of responsible for Yanis and for Martins and for everybody else coming through as well and coaching them? Yeah, so actually he's number one coach. Uh, he's the only beach volleyball coach now in, uh, in Latvia. So uh, with, uh, with Smedin's brothers, their father also was their coach. So he was a setter in the USSR junior national team. Yeah. And uh, so he was like, at the beginning, he was a coach of uh, Smedin's brothers. But uh, I started with Plavins and my father was a coach. And uh, so currently, like last year, my father was the coach of uh, Samuel Smedin's. So he was a coach of uh, Plavins Tots. And he also is already, he was like three years a coach of uh, our uh, ladies team, Graudina Kravchanenko, who qualified to Tokyo with qualification tournament. And he's also coach of my brother and his partner. So he had four teams and he is crazy. Like he's working six days a week, eight hours. So he's coming to the beach. So like one team coming, like two teams coming, then they're leaving, another two teams coming. We are bringing food for him. He's eating lunch uh, at the beach. So he's fanatic. He's like, for him, he's saying what he needs. He needs uh, beach volleyball, and this is all what he needs in life. So he can he can play and live with beach volleyball. He's still playing every second day. So he finished coaching, and he go and play with the guys, with local guys. You can see where you get it from, though, right? And where all the other players get it from. This this work ethic and this commitment, and something that's really shining through the the whole way is how committed you are and how hard you guys have worked to get to where you've had to get to is crazy. Yeah, I think it's great when family is involved in, the, in sport, like the same now with uh, mall family, like all family, like playing beach volleyball, parents and all kids. And it's, this is the key for success. Like when, uh, when you, all your family, because when you're alone, it's much harder. And, uh, but when you're all your family supporting you in uh, what you're doing, it's much easier you feel a support because when you start to succeed usually like all people around you they're like okay 
uh, it's cool, yeah, but it's like keeping distance automatically. And uh, it was always, I was asking, I was talking with German, I remember this uh, talk when I was 20 years old and I asked uh, German guys, like uh, players, like uh, why all the players in the world, uh, like on the underage, don't like Germans? He said like, because the Germans dominating in the junior tournaments and uh, and then I realized it's, 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 it is like this. And when you start to succeed and people, I don't know why, automatically like getting away from you. Well, when you have family supporting you, it's really good. They didn't, they didn't dominate the world in, in the under 21 championships in 2005. <laughs> <laughs> but they were really strong. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't run by, that, yeah, that wasn't run by, by, by Germany whatsoever. You, you mentioned yeah, beforehand about- But they beat us year before. They beat us year before. Yeah, I look back through the, uh, Look back through the draws, actually. Um, what was the difference in 2005? I mean, it wasn't an easy draw. You played Pedro and Thiago, like, in Brazil. Like, that's... that's and Bruno. And Bruno yeah. in Rio. We played had, in the pool with Bruno. And you had Bruno in the pool. Like, what was the turning point for you guys? Like, what was it that was like, we're going to go beat Brazil twice, like, easy? We were, we were in a really, really good shape. Like uh, that year, we were so motivated because also we won because of the world tour. When we qualified for a main draw, we realized it, like our power. We realized, and it was, it was like when we qualified for a main draw in Sarajevo Blanke, so it got extra motivation for us. And Rio was one month after, uh, after the Sarajevo Blanke, and so we were on the wave. So we feel okay, like if we can beat adults. So for juniors, uh, we will be unstoppable. And so we, we came with the thoughts that we need. So we came to the tournament with a with a thoughts in our heads that we must win this tournament. And uh, also we because we won under twenty European Championship the year before. So it was from so we were going and planning when we see a draw. We were looking at the draw in the tournament. We were looking till the final, who we have to play. So there wasn't any other thoughts that uh, fifths to get fifths or uh, quarterfinal or semifinal. So it was, and uh, yeah, it was tough for sure that we had to play Pedro in the semifinal. But it was it was a good match and uh, really happy that we won. We are good friends with Pedro, and Pedro is like always was saying to me like, this game in my hometown with all my family, all my friends and a stadium, and you beat me. And after, and after, uh, and this year when we had uh, we had training camp in Rio, and uh, we had dinner with him, he invited us to his place. He made steaks, me and Yanis, and he said, "So after Rio Olympics, when he beat me in Rio, so he said, okay, now we are one one." <laughs> could could you imagine like you beat Pedro in Pedro's hometown, and Pedro comes from a massive beach volleyball family. Like he, he, he comes here. Yeah, he has a beautiful family too. So, yeah, wow, like, even bigger than mine. Yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah, for, for sure. Well, you have a pretty, pretty impressive beach volleyball family as well. Fast forward 2008. We've spoken about this before. You go to Beijing. Um, you've already spoken about what a big deal this is for Latvia to make an Olympic Games. But you look at the draw. And you've got Phil, Phil and Todd in the first, yeah, like first game. What you, you said, you, you walk out, you said in the previous episode, you walk out, lights, cheerleaders, 
you, you've got Peter throwing it out on the mic, like, it's good. But what are you feeling, like, sports-wise going into that game? So, uh, as, I, as I told you before, that for us, we were the youngest team who qualified to Olympics. We were the last team who qualified. And when we qualified for Beijing, we would just breeze out and for us, was, we've done everything we wanted. So our, our uh, goal was to qualify. And then the rest, we said, like, okay, we'll just enjoy. And uh, when year before we played against Dalhauser before the match, we said, like, why everybody hitting into his block? Like, he's putting, like, 10 blocks. It's like, how can you be? And we said we were sitting. It was in for, uh, Fortaleza. We sit. And we said, like, to my father, said, okay, coach, now we will show how you need to hit against Dalhauser. Come and watch this. So we warm up. We started to play. And it was four blocks in a row we started zero four and my father was sitting in the stadium and started to laugh really really loud he started to laugh and they just destroyed us we scored i think we scored less than 21 points in two sets in total and uh so when the first game was uh when the first game was uh in the beijing so me and the Flames, we were sitting in the olympic village and said okay Let's try to get at least 15 points in every set because everybody will watch this. In Latvia, everybody will watch because it was really good timing also for Latvia. And it was the first uh, sport event uh, for the Latvian uh, Olympic team. And he said, like, let's just get 15, minimum 15 teams in every set so we don't feel shy after the game. And so we just went and we had no pressure. So we were fighting for every point to get these 15 points. And then we managed to get 21. We were 21, 19, and we were like celebrating this set the victory like we won a tournament. So we were running around the court and hugging each other. And uh, yeah, so it was uh, fun. And uh, so at the beginning, like first two games, it was just enjoying. And when we realized that last game, we play against Switzerland and uh, Heuscher Heyer, Heuscher was a bronze medalist already of Olympic Games. And we realize that if we win, we are number, we are first in our pool, and if we lose, we are last in our pool, and we are out of Olympics. And then in this game, I was going uh, by shadow to the game, and my hands were shaking for one hour. I couldn't control. We were talking about weather. I was saying it's really nice weather, and <laughs> here in Latvia, and then it started to rain. <laughs> oh no! Oh. Now I feel like uh, now I feel like uh, in uh, in London. <laughs> I don't want to show you the weather here today, but it is it's beautiful. Very rarely, uh, yeah, very. Rarely. Is it okay if I if I sit with umbrella like this? It's perfect. It brings, it's fine with you, yeah. Brings brings some character. Um, how did you like? What did you learn from that first Olympics? Like, did it clarify any thoughts from you? Did it? It told you it was on a great path, but. From that Olympic, I learned that everything is possible during Olympics. Because I've seen, because it's so stressful event, like emotions, because usually like in professional sport, emotions are really important part of a sport. Because uh, I've seen hundreds of people who are really, really good during trainings and during practice. And they just couldn't get their level, their highest level during competition. So. In the Olympics, it's all multiples, like by five times. I've seen Emmanuel in London when uh, like Iron Felix, who have 
never I never seen uh, during World Tour he's stressful or he's not confident during the game. And I've seen him shaking during uh, Olympics in London because this is an event that I think if we look from a sport part, World Championship is much stronger than Olympics because there is a limit of uh, two teams per country. So there are multiple of good uh, teams who are not in Olympics. And uh, maybe now it's not that uh, how it was like 10 years ago because now a lot of countries have strong teams. And back in the days, there was in the top 20, there was six Brazilians, uh, five American teams. So for them, there's this two teams limit, like really decrease the level of uh, Olympics. And they're also because of from every continent uh, limit. So I would say from sporting size that uh, Olympic Games are a little bit weaker than World Championship. But because media attention is so huge and the pressure from media from uh, Olympic team, from society in your country, because all, all the people like are talking, it's uh, Olympics, it's sports that uh, housekeepers, uh, like uh, all the regular people are watching. Like my mom, she wasn't in the sport, but she always watched Olympics. So I think it was the majority of people, even if they're not following sports, they watch Olympics. So the attention and the pressure of this event makes uh, it so much difficult to control your emotions and uh, that's why in the olympics everything is possible especially for like young people they if they just enjoy and play freely they can achieve a lot we, we were talking to uh larry Ludwig was on the on the podcast as well and we were just talking about that achievement for kira volkenhorst to win the olympic games at, at her first olympic games it's, it's just crazy, right? Like, you, you think about the people who win the Olympics at their first Olympics, and it's just, <laughs> yeah, I, it blows my mind every time. But she's amazing, yeah. Like, her mentality, like, winner's mentality is crazy. I'm a pretty good friend with uh, Alex Falkenhorst. He's mm -hmm. always, uh, every year already, like, for seven years, he's coming to, be, uh, to our camps in Egypt, in our uh, training base. And uh, so we're in a really good relationship. And he said, like, yeah, my, you just don't know my sister. Like, nobody knows my sister, how she's competitive and how in her head she's, like, dominating over uh, the other. Like, in her mentality, like, since she was a child, she was always thinking about herself as a winner and uh, just a winner mentality. And that's why she succeeds. Wow. How do you deal with the nerves of Olympics? You know, like, how's... How do you, is there any sort of special thing you use, a psychologist or any skills to help you deal with the nerves on the big stage? I, I think I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing because that's why you can see my results. <laughs> so it's... You won in Moscow this year. Like, you, you can't, yeah, like, you can't say that. Like, that's, yeah, like, I don't believe it for a minute. Yeah, it's... Uh... Mental work, I mean, if you talk about Olympics, like, uh, till now, I couldn't handle this pressure. Uh, I was, I, I can't control, like, I'm, I'm still, like, trying, like, to maybe to be more calm or to be more aggressive or to be more emotional or to be, like, more calm and uh, more to depress my emotions and uh, to how, how to play on a, uh, my, my best level. And um, for sure, in uh, Beijing and London, I wasn't in the shape to get a medal 
obviously like if you look like from like uh, technique and physical abilities but in Rio for sure we were in a condition with Yanis we were we were going for gold and I think we just uh, we didn't handle the pressure because when we were going to the airport uh, like all our fan base and all the society and Olympic teams they were like saying okay just go and take this gold medal so they were sending us to Rio to get and bring this gold medal. So it was like a, only one goal. And so I think it was a little bit too much for us. And I think a big, uh, big mistake was for me to stay in Olympic Village with all the rest Olympic team, because we had a lot of young, uh, young athletes who was first time in Olympics. And uh, they were getting crazy. Their emotions uncontrolled, how they're getting, how they're happy how they're sad, how they're stressful, and all this happening inside your building. Like all the time you come in uh, contact with these people and they're coming every time and coming with their emotions. Some are really, really sad, some are shaking, and some are just jumping from happiness because they won their first uh, game or stuff like this. And uh, so I think it was a big mistake. It, I had better to stay maybe closer to the, to the court. Also, from uh, Olympic Village to, to the courts, it took like one hour and a half to go to, to the courts. So I think it was that, that was all these things that uh, didn't uh, allow us to show a good result. Staying away from the, um, like staying away from the village is something that a lot of people do. And you can completely understand why if you want to stay, if you want to keep everything as normal as possible, putting you around yeah. the, the like 20,000 athletes, <laughs> Uh, unlimited food and unlimited everything is is maybe not always the, yeah because uh, it's uh, completely different like in a world tour what uh, what routine you have when you're on a world tour and completely different when you come uh, for olympics and so this is also like usually in the world tour we have competition four days yeah two two three games a day and then like boom 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 tournament is over but here it's like you have a game and then if you win then you have almost two days to to live with this uh, positive emotion, with all this media calling you, writing, and every in the Olympic Village, every athlete of your team comes and say, "Yeah, well done, nice game." And so it's uh, it's harder to just to stay focused on uh, on what you're doing and stay in this routine. You are usually in the world tour, and uh, okay, also you've got, you've got another couple left in you, mate. So you, you're gonna go again, right? So yeah, for sure. I, I'm aiming to at least. <laughs> Just um, just quickly after uh, I'm I'm interested after that Olympic um, in 2008, you and Martins uh, separated for the time for the time being. What was the decision behind that? Do you mind sharing it? Like it's after a very successful period. Like it's it's interesting that you you, you separated. Uh, actually, it was uh, as I told before in previous episode that uh, my father is a really strict person. So he's like, uh, I would say, like a general in the army. So we had like our preparation was like for soldiers in the army. So really, really strict. And uh, so he was also very aggressive after we were losing. So he came with very aggressive emotions and he was always like screaming. He completely changed now. But uh, before when we just started, he was also for him, he was like his coaching experience. We were growing as an athlete and he was growing as a coach. We, it was for us was first world tour and for him it was also first world tour as a coach 
so he was also learning and uh, how so it was first step for him and uh, i think just martin couldn't uh, handle with him uh, he couldn't handle this pressure anymore since he was tired and uh, they had a conflict and i was just between them and uh, at the beginning of a year we had some bad results we like Three tournaments in a row, we got 25th, so we were losing in a uh, main draw, but we really needed good results. And so Martin, he said like, okay, I'm stopped. We had no chance to qualify to Beijing, and I'm not uh, playing uh, with you anymore. And then uh, Olympic Committee and Federation came together, and they said, okay, no, if you even have one little uh, percentage to qualify to Beijing, you have to do this, because we invested pretty a lot the support in you, finance in you, and you need to do this. So we took another coach, so who can be the like coach assistant, who can also uh, help a little bit us uh, for this. And uh, this coach, uh, Iger Birzelis, he, he, he became a coach of Plavin Smedins, and he was their coach when they got bronze in uh, London. Oh, so okay. actually, yeah, so we took him into world uh, world tour level so we bring him and then he he working together with my father so he developed as a coach uh, as well and uh, so actually this idea so i said we knew in the beijing we knew with plumbing that we're gonna split we knew that we're gonna split and he agreed with another guy to play yeah. with italnex a guy from his indoor club and i agree with sorokins with who i played in london so we agreed and when we get to Beijing and we had a really good result, after Beijing, uh, Martin asked me, okay, maybe we continue to play together because we did pretty good and we can get good sponsors now. But I said, no, sorry, I already shake hands with uh, Sorokins and uh, I will play with him uh, till was there, London. Was there a conflict after that? Like, did you, was there a rivalry between, between you guys? No, not at all. Not at all, not any conflict. And... Uh, also, like, and I had a conflict with Plavins and always when uh, I had the chance, when my partner was injured, uh, I was playing with him. The same what's happened with uh, when Yanis got injured, when he had meniscus surgery in uh, 2016, I think. 15. 2015, I played the World Championship in uh, Netherlands with Plavins. And the same when Yanis got injured uh, two years ago when he fell from bicycle. And dislocated his <laughs> shoulder, and uh, I played with Plavins in the King of a Court uh, event. I just think you guys are going to look, you guys, like all of you, in when this is over, you're going to look back at each other and you're going to be like, What the what did we achieve? <laughs> like, it's amazing when you think of it yeah, like it this, is. like how it's worked out and how it how it's won, like, it's incredible. What, yeah, what good. But what's a good thing that we had, we still stayed, we separate, we had one good team. And then we split, and uh, Plavins, he tried with this indoor guy, but it didn't work. And then he uh, started to play with uh, Smedins, with Yanis, and I played with Sorokins. And then we had one good team who qualified to Benjik, and then we split, and we, we made two teams, who and now two teams uh, qualified uh, to London. And uh, also, it was really good. We had really strong uh, competition inside. And all our society in Latvia also, there were like two camps. One is cheering for uh, Samara Sorokins and one team is uh, cheering for Plavin Smedins and the fans fighting with each other when they're playing on the stadium, like one, one half course, they're cheering for them, another half for other. 
when they're going to the world tour uh, also the people like more and more people were getting involved and the beach volleyball was growing and growing and more people were coming into beach volleyball and this rivalry it was really nice and this is rivalry what's happening now me and Yanis against uh, Plavins and Tots as well and it's really good for us that they qualified to Olympics like from one uh, side like if we talk about uh, sport part like for sponsors and also for our fans it's like really that we are under pressure but from the other side we are super motivated now because they already qualified for olympics but we have some business to do yet and uh that's why we are really motivated and in training camps we are working really hard and this uh bring extra motivation for us to become a better players it's, it's a great story like the, the recipe like this is why i love sport and why i love like doing things like this as well is is hearing the reasons why things are successful and the fact that you're all so close how did it come so so after london um how did it come around that you and yanis then went okay it's it's us like what was the what was the thought process then and, and how come there was another reshuffle it was very funny story uh in Latvia, they call it parents meeting, like in school, uh, because my father met with Yanis' uh, father, yeah. and they agree, okay, let's after London put our uh, boys together, because in this case we can start winning medals. Because before, when I was playing with Sorokins, we had only one medal, it was silver in the World Tour, and Flavins uh, and Smenin, they also had only one uh, medal on the World Tour. So our father said, okay, let's put our sons together and uh, then they will have a chance to get medals on the world tour. And the problem was that uh, me and Yanis, we were so competitive uh, on, on the court against each other because we never played together. We always were fighting against each other. And we, because he is uh, also fire and he's introvert, but he's also very. Yeah, I was, was going to say that. Yeah, he's like. I, I think of you as like being fire and ice. Like he's ice <laughs> and fire, but, but I don't think that's the case, obviously. You, you know, he's a fire. He's, 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 he's born in, April, in uh, August, uh, no, so in Ju end of July. And so he's in the Harris Cup, he's lion. So we are two lions. I'm Lion King and he's lion in the Harris Cup. I'm the same birthday round yeah. Maybe that explains yeah. and, uh, and the problem is I never even, when we were traveling, when we were 20 years old, we traveled by car on the world tour by cars. And once we almost had a fight with him, <laughs> like real fight, not like talking fight, but like uh, almost fighting. We start grabbing each other and almost like hitting each other. We were 20 years old. And uh, after this, our like call, like, our relationship was like cold as ice. So, and even when I played with uh, Sorokin, like, he played with Plavins, we were sitting at the same table eating very often and we never talked to each other. <laughs> so but, it but was always. It, it was it, always, I talk with Sorokins and I talk with Plavins and he talks with Plavins and talk with Sorokin and never like to each other. And it was always big, big fights on the court and during trainings when we uh, had sparring matches. And when our fathers had a meeting, they agree. So the media gets some also information. So information like gossips and all. And then the, all the society started to talk about this, that uh, Smerin Samoa is going to play after London. They're going to play together. And then we played two weeks before London. There was a tournament in Berlin 
we played against each other. And after the game, Flavins and Sorokins, they went to the doping control. And me and uh, Yanis, who stayed in the players' area, so we went for them. And this is the first time, two weeks before London, I came to him, I came to him and said, it's so funny that all society, like Beach Waldo society in Latvia, they talk that we're going to play with each other after London, but we never talk about this and we never talk about uh, with you. And he started to laugh, yeah. <laughs> and then how it's happened. And then in London, they get bronze. And I said to my father, so probably they will stay together as a team. And uh, after London, there was a tournament in Stary Blonki in Poland. And we went there. And we had a dinner uh, with me, my father, uh, Yanis, and uh, his father. And uh, we just sit and said, no, 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 no. We, we had an agreement and uh, Olympics just won a tournament, but we want to stay consistent, like good, uh, like every single tournament, not one tournament a year. And we all four, you know, like in movies, we put four hands together and we made a deal and uh, we made our team. And then next year we become number one in the world ranking. It's like a movie moment there. <laughs> a movie moment, but like a movie story of like two guys who didn't really want to talk to each other all of a had a career like this together. It's just like, wow. How do you get on now? Like, do you get on really well? Is it like a real good relationship? I yeah, mean, I'm, uh, I'm really surprised. Like everybody was saying, okay, they're individuals, they're really good players, but we will see how they can uh, communicate with each other. It's also national part also coming because uh, I came from uh, my family because when it was USSR, like all countries were together. And my, par my parents, they were studying in the middle of Russia and then they came to Latvia to study and they stayed in Latvia. So they actually, they're like, they came like Russians. And uh, Yanis, he's from a most uh, nationalistic uh, part of Latvia. And uh, so it was always also national, like uh, Russian and Latvian, how, how are we gonna that's communicate with each other like uh, from a national part? But it didn't work, it worked really good and uh, we never had any conflict uh, about this uh, with Yanis. And outside the court, we have really good relationship. Okay, we are not like friends, but uh, we're, we're dealing really good. That's awesome, it doesn't have to be, right? Like it's, a, it's different playing volleyball and it's crazy. You have to spend all your time with with minimal people, and it, it's it's not like a team sport where, like a big team sport where I can talk to. If I'm in English football, I can talk to Harry Kane one minute, or I can go and talk to the goalkeeper or the right back or or whoever. Yeah. Like it, it's you have no, you're very much confined to that. Um, Dan, any other questions before we get on with the features? Um, no, I think we can go right into uh, our feature here, top five. Top five. So you've had you've had quite a long career, managed to stay, you know, at a, playing at a really high level for a really long time, which is great. We're wondering if you had five tips for our listeners to stay fit and healthy throughout your entire career. It can be something as specific as a, a food to eat or a specific exercise or, or physiotherapy you do. So first is for sure is taking care of your body. And taking care of your body is not only like proper sleep or uh, food, what you eat and drink w enough water. I think it's so obvious, but uh, really important is uh, in your preparation system, how you prepare your body. Because most of the popular question I get in my Instagram direct messages is like how to improve my vertical jump. And 
what I'm answering people is like, it's not like you start to do deadlift or squats and you improve your jump. Okay, you maybe improve your jump, but you will uh, jump for how many years? You'll jump, uh, yeah, one, one, once professor came to, one professor came to my father and said, I have developed a program then when you can improve your jump for, by uh, 20 centimeters. And my father asked, uh, and for how many years he will be able to jump like this? And then this professor said, um, I didn't think about this question. So the idea is, uh, and that what all my, my father always was telling, the idea for me is not like to get the result just now. And then uh, I don't care what's happening with you later. He said, I need you for many, many years. And so the preparation, how you prepare with deep muscles, will prepare your ligaments, your joints, it's uh, so, so important to develop on the highest level. And usually in off season, with what the regular people and all fans that don't realize that off season, we are working really, really long or our body or our physical preparation without the balls in the gym, with the bands, with small weights, with our bodies, just to be able then for five months to play on the highest level. You need like five, six months to prepare your body to play on the highest level. Because if you just get a good shape and play, if you're 20, 20, 25, okay, it works good. If you're 30 plus, then your body will say, no, 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 stop. And you will start to have injuries. So it's really important thing just to prepare your body for uh, intensive uh, work. So it's not just about squatting 150 kilograms. You have to you have to work on the muscles. Every, every stability, muscle, yeah? stability of your of your body. Yeah. Uh, I went through a stage where I just tried to lift as much as possible, and <laughs> yeah, we all make that mistake. We all make that mistake. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't very functional. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's it's uh, it'll be much better if you lift 100 kilograms but do it properly you'll have much better result for your beach volleyball uh, skills rather than uh, squat with uh, and push uh, 150 but do it incorrectly number two for sure everybody knows that warm-up is important but as i develop through all my careers that cool down is even more important than warm-up i always do cool down after every uh, training and or uh, or game Straight after World Tour game, my game is over. I go, maybe do some pictures with my fans, five minutes interview, and then straight I go to warm up courts and do cool down. And first of all, this uh, your recovery really speed up your recovery, and uh, also your body, and uh, you have much much uh, less uh, injuries when you do proper cool down after uh, your physical activity. Because it. usually I know like people. Warm up, okay, I will do warm up, something not to get injury during my exercise, but after training is over, bye-bye, shower and home. Unless you're in the USA, where quite a few people in the USA just warm up a little bit, like, <laughs> still just throwing. I was the same, I was the same. Warm up shoulder, <laughs> let's go, I'm ready. <laughs> um, number three. Number three, enjoy the game and um, not to make it as a routine. I think it's the worst to extend your career because I know so many players, they finish their career because they, would get, they just get tired of beach volleyball. Because for many players, it becomes work. When you start playing beach volleyball or 
any other activity or other sport when you start doing this as a work say okay i need to work because i need to get uh, earn money and because i need to uh, get sponsors and this is how i get money for living and when you start doing this as a work and not enjoying the process you wouldn't succeed and you wouldn't be able to do this for a long period of time that's, that's number four that's that's an eight, yeah like i couldn't agree more that's that's really number four uh traveling this is a huge part of uh, beach volleyball and uh, i know many players who finished their career when they were 30 years old because they said i'm just tired of traveling i'm just tired of being away from home and I think it's really important if you can get maximum out of traveling and if you can find the good things in traveling and not to think, oh, okay, I spent, like last year, I spent 250 days a year away from, uh, from my home. But if you manage to, if you know how to communicate with people, if you find new people, new contacts, if you get, spend not all the time in an airport, hotel, court hotel court that what usually happen in the world tour but if you find like there is so much nice places so much nice things and if you during your travel you manage enjoy the process for example i i can't sleep in a plane but that's how i started to read books okay i started to read books you get new information or you study my i write it my master degree 90 percent of my master degree i write it in an airplane <laughs> because this was a place where i can stay silent there is no internet so i can stay focused and uh, and right so I, when you can I, find I in the traveling when you can find in the traveling good things that you can use the traveling as advantage then you will also it wouldn't be that uh, hard for you to travel so much as spare with so much time away from your home so this is number four try to make traveling uh, enjoy also and number five, uh, I put nutrition. And nutrition is not more like food, but uh, supplements. Because us, as we all fair play, we all take only legal supplements because we have doping control usually like six, eight uh, times uh, a year. But uh, what I always figured, like as less as better. I try not to take uh, supplements as longer as I can in my career because I believe that until you are 25, 27, it's enough you eat a burger and uh, you, uh, apple and a banana and you get uh, maximum out of this. And for sure, as you get older, it's harder for you to play on the highest level without uh, any like protein uh, and all this. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, but okay, fish, fish oil, fish oil, I'm giving fish to my kids. My world. kids are three and five and I'm giving the fish oil. I'm talking about something more stronger. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that is still legal, but uh, much stronger, like a uh, uh, stronger supplement that improve your skills, improve your abilities. You can improve your endurance, your strength, your muscle growth, and your maybe your concentration, uh, uh, abilities so all his nutrition try to use them as, as, as later as later as possible so this will be like 
extra bonus for you when you you feel that with uh, you start losing, for example, like endurance or power, and you add this uh, nutrition, and you can extend your improve your ability. And also when you're out 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 of competition and off season, I've tried to not to uh, use any supplements to get clean. So when I my competition starts, it gets a much uh, bigger effect. Wow. Okay, so some good tips there. We have one more to do our mystery man, is that correct? Yep, just, yeah, one more clues. Mystery man. Can you remember the mystery man from the last time, uh, from the last episode, We're trying to guess who this mystery man is? I've been pulling my hair out all week since, since uh, yeah, since our previous episode. You know, guys, I have a confession. Since our previous one, I actually, I think I figured it out. So I'm going to stay out of this one. Okay. But, uh, but we've heard a few new clues since last time. Two, two so, clubs is key is what I figured out from the last time. Two clubs. This person was born in 1988, which we know now. That's my age. They haven't won the world championships. And their volleyball idol is the Russian outside hitter, Sergei Tetukin. I watched his interview of Tetukin two days ago. Yeah. He's amazing. I, I think I know who it is. Okay, we're gonna play. We're gonna play the next clue first. In which month were you born? In March. Lion King. How are you feeling over there, mate? Any ideas? Nope. I think I know it's just by how, by what you said a moment ago. I am also going to keep my mouth. Yeah. Uh, okay, but Louis, we've had we've had maybe more opportunities to think about this. <laughs> maybe had the odd more opportunity, but it's just it's just something who it is. Um, that's all we've got time for for this episode of the A Space. It's been an absolute pleasure, Lion King, to hear about your decade at the top. Um, it really is fascinating to hear about your adventures, but also your relationship with Yanis and that whole sort of pathway through all the three Olympic games. So thank you for, for coming on. It's Thanks for writing, enjoying this. And Dan, the volleyball like mastermind over there, thank you very much, mate. You must have had another great time. Yep, yep, it was a great, great episode, great episode. Awesome to listeners. Make sure you're subscribing to your friends. Suggest guests. You can send in questions. Remember, we're everywhere. Spotify, we're up. Anywhere you find your, your podcast, you will find us. Now, my name has been Louis Lett. This has been A Space uh, from the CEB. Thank you for listening. We look forward to having you along next time. <laughs> <laughs>